Amen. Stand with me and honor the reading of the word of the Lord. I asked Brother David to come back up and quote that scripture again that he quoted just a minute ago. Can you do that? Isaiah 6 and 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Thank you, Brother David. Give him a good hand. Amen. Now, to my scripture list. I'd like for you to turn to Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 1. And then to Exodus chapter number 20. While Brother David was up here quoting that verse and, and saying what he was going to say, I, I kept leaning to Brother Steve and Brother Daniel, and I kept saying, I kept saying, he's preaching my message. He's, he, that's, in, that's in my message. And they said, well, that's just stuff you won't have to say. I know that's just so that God thinks you need to hear it twice. <laughs> Amen. Isaiah 6 and 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Exodus chapter number 20, verse number 1. And God spake all these words, saying, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Anybody glad that you've been set free from the house of bondage? Amen. How do you worship a God that sets you free? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow, thy, thou bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. Isn't that a great verse? Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain for the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Amen. I want to preach for a little while this morning on a subject titled, We Become What We Worship. We become what we worship. If, if I was going to try to, to not condense the title, what I really would say is we become like what we worship. We begin to resemble the thing that we invest ourselves into. God, I praise you and I thank you for this great congregation, these wonderful people that have come to serve you and worship you today. I thank you, God, for our online audience, Lord, that are joining in from wherever they are, either now, live, or at some point in the future. Lord, I pray that you would anoint me to preach your word. I ask you, Lord God, to confirm your word with signs following to do something by the Holy Ghost in this place, something holy, something powerful, something, God, that only you can do. Not through enticing words of men's wisdom, but by the power and the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. God, do something today in somebody's life, and we'll give you praise and glory and honor, and we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. 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 Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise as you're being seated today. Our text this morning is part of a passage of Scripture that generations have referred to as the Ten Commandments. What we read this morning are the first four of those commandments and all of them have to do with how we worship. The first commandment 
was that you would have no other gods before me, the Lord said. Never place anything in higher priority than God. It has to do with how we worship. The second commandment, thou shalt make unto thee, shall not make unto thee any graven image or carved image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above. Everybody say heaven above. Or in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. And then he said, and don't bow yourself down to these idols. Don't make any carved images either of heaven above or of the earth or even things under the earth. Don't make anything, don't carve anything. If someone, even if something has its origin in heaven, it can become a distraction. So he said, don't make any carved or graven images. It's why we don't display crosses and things of that nature, even though it's something that was obvious, a gift from God. But anything can become a graven image. And so we don't make images of things. The cross was not holy. The one that died on the cross was holy. Amen. Thou shalt not bow yourself down to them. Don't, don't serve them. He said, because I'm a jealous God. I will not share your worship with anything else. No image, no idol, no false gods. And then he says the third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. That word vain means emptiness or nothingness, worthlessness. It comes from a root word that means to rush over. You know, like, like when, you, when, you try and, when you have to say something, you rush through it just to, just to get it over with. He said, you're not supposed to do the name of the Lord like that. It's not something to rush over or hurry through, like it doesn't matter. And you don't use it for something that's empty or nothingness or worthlessness. To God's ancient people, the name of God was so holy that they wouldn't even write all the letters of the word. They only wrote Y-H-W-H. Or that's the translation, the transliteration of it. God, the name of God was so holy that they, they didn't want to risk taking it in vain in any way to say it in passing or emptiness or nothingness in a worthless way. They didn't even really know the name of God. But now we know his name is Jesus, the only name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And his name should never be taken in vain, should never be taken in, in, in worthlessness or nothingness. That's why we don't use his name as an exclamation. Amen. Praise God. Y'all all right this morning? I know this is as elementary as you can get, but that's what I am. We don't just say the name. That's why I hate to hear somebody. Use the name of Jesus with a curse word or just to throw it out there in some meaningless way. It's a violation of the power of his name. When you were baptized in Jesus' name, you had a powerful name written over you that destroyed every work of sin that had ever happened in your life. Amen. Jesus is so anointed and his blood so powerful, and his name so holy that he only had to die once for the sins of all the earth. He'll never have to die again and be crucified again because one time was enough, and one time baptized in the name of Jesus is enough. Praise God. Amen. Once you've been baptized in Jesus' name, you never have to be baptized again. Praise God. I'm preaching to you right now. We don't rebaptize people who have been baptized in Jesus' name because that name never lost its redeeming power. 
He only had to be crucified once and you only had to be buried in his name once. Amen. And so we believe that to rebaptize somebody in Jesus' name that has already been baptized in Jesus' name is taking his name in vain. Praise God. Now understand what I said. I said that if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, when you were baptized, if they didn't say the name of Jesus, then you need to be rebaptized in Jesus' name. If they said Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that's not a name. Father isn't a name, Son's not a name, Holy Ghost isn't a name. There's one name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. Bishop Wilson, I was preaching last Saturday night in, in uh, Mannheim, Germany at our German National Conference. And in, in that conference, we're, we're trying to develop our mission field in Italy. And so our churches from Italy, they come to our German conference. And I was, I was preaching that night. And I was preaching about the power of the name of Jesus and how the name of Jesus has power to heal and power to deliver and power to save. And that when you said Jesus, you've said everything. Amen. And I told a story. I told a story about someone that got in a car wreck. Somebody blew through a stop sign and T-boned their car. And when they saw out of the corner of their eye that car coming towards them, they didn't have time to think of all the titles of God. Oh, God, my deliverer, my helper, my savior, my deliverer. God, my protector, my keeper, my shield. They didn't have time to say all that. All they had time to say was Jesus. And when they said Jesus, they said keeper and protector and healer and deliverer and savior. Because when you say Jesus' name, you said it all. There's no name like Jesus' name. Oh, I said there's no name like the name of Jesus. I'm glad I've been buried in his name, baptized in the only name under heaven. I'm glad I've got access to that name. I've got access to that name because I've been baptized in his name. When I got baptized, that name was written over my life and it gave me authority to use it when I need it in Jesus' name. And if you've not been baptized, you ought to be baptized tonight. Amen. I was preaching. I was preaching last Saturday night, and, and in that service, there was a man from the Mannheim, Germany church that they had planned a trip. They had planned a trip to Israel. They were supposed to leave. The church was supposed to leave on a tour of Israel in just a few weeks, and because of all the stuff over there, he. Uh, they, they, they had to cancel the trip, but this man had been baptized in Father, Son, and Holy Ghost 30, 40 years ago. And he decided he was going to wait and get baptized in Jesus' name in the Jordan River on their Israel trip. And then they canceled the trip, so he was like, well, I don't know, maybe, maybe we'll, I'll go get baptized somewhere else. And, uh, and I was preaching, and while I was preaching about Jesus' name and how important it is that we have the power of that name, something clicked in his spirit. He decided, i got to be baptized tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. And then there was a girl that got the Holy Ghost the night before, and she had never heard about baptism in Jesus' name. But while I preached the power of the name of Jesus, she said, tonight is my night. And then there were two people from the Augsburg church that said, I got to get baptized tonight. And then there were two people, brand new converts. We got a home missions church in the city of Rome. They're running about 15 or 20 people. But that night, there were two people in their church that had been raised right there under the seat of Catholicism and had been baptized in Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, sprinkled as babies. But when they heard the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, they got baptized that night. And if there's anybody here today that you've never had the name of Jesus called over you in baptism, you don't even have to wait for this sermon to be over. You can say, right now is my time. There's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. We don't say it. We, we don't take his name in vain. Praise God. The fourth commandment. I'm... I'm, I'm I got sidetracked for a minute. But if you get sidetracked in Jesus' name, it's a track you need to be on the side with. Amen. I'm on the side of Jesus' name every time. The fourth commandment is to remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. 
to, that, that worship is so important that God made it a law not to forget to set aside a day to worship him. He said, remember it, sanctify a day. He said, six days, you do whatever you want, but there's one day you just got to set aside to worship no matter what. These four commandments all have to do with how we worship God. He next, he goes into relational, relational and family stuff. He says, honor your mother and father that your days may be long upon the earth. Hear me, young folks. I know, I, I know that, uh, that just, just hear what I'm saying. That's why you don't talk back to your parents. Well, praise God. See how I can get in and out of anointing just like that? I can preach Jesus' name and have them on their feet, and then I can do something like that, and it's like they, like, like they just scattered. I'm going to tell you that you dishonor God when you dishonor your parents. Amen. You may or may not be right, but that doesn't give you the right to dishonor your mother and father. That's good preaching. This is apostolic preaching. It's still in the Bible, isn't it? Am I preaching the word of God? I am. Amen. If you can't agree with what they're saying, then keep your mouth shut. Don't roll your eyes and don't get an attitude. Praise God. Amen. Nobody's told me anything. I haven't had anybody say, Pastor, my kids are, are being disrespectful or rebellious. I'm, not, I'm preaching. If, if, I'm, if I'm on your front porch right now, it's because God wants you to straighten up. Praise God. Is this just a sign I'm getting older? Or am I getting more anointed the older I get? Is that what it is? I'm just telling you, that's what the Bible says, okay? Honor your mother and father. And then he goes on. He goes on into moral law. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. And don't covet. Before, he, he goes into all these laws, but the first four laws are all laws that govern how we worship because he understands that if we get our worship right, then we can get everything else right. But if we never settle the worship question in our lives properly, we'll always struggle to be moral in other ways because we become what we worship. The devil has two goals. One primary and one secondary. His first desire is that he be worshipped. The prophet Isaiah quotes Lucifer in chapter number 14. Isaiah 14, 13, and 14. Listen to what Lucifer said. Thou hast said in thine heart. Here's what he said. I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Just, I want to be worshipped. If you'll worship me, that's, what, that's all the devil longs for, is for him to be worshipped. But if you can't, it's also revealed in the New Testament, in the temptation of Jesus. He offers Jesus power and glory in exchange for one thing. Look at Luke chapter number 4, verses 6 and 7. And the devil said unto him, all this power will I give thee and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me to whomsoever I will give it. If thou therefore will worship me, all shall be thine. I'll give you everything if you'll worship me. He wanted Jesus' worship because he knew how powerful worship is. Amen. He had stood in the presence of the Lord as the angels worshiped God. He experienced firsthand how powerful it was when God began to be worshiped. He was in the throne room of heaven as worship was given to God and he led heaven in worship. And he knows how powerful it is when worship begins to be given to God and how revelation flows when there's worship going on. Can somebody say amen? He understands that there are dimensions of anointing 
power and glory of God that are not accessed intellectually. You can read every book that's ever been written, but if you only read about worship, you'll never really understand the presence of God. You can talk about it and have and hear about it and converse about it, but there's some things that you only get when you step into the realm of worship, and the devil knows that there's some things that you only find when you worship your way into the presence of God and you see him high and lifted up. There's some things that you can talk about him, but until you worship him, it never becomes reality. You can read it all day long, but you'll never really know it until you lift your hands and begin to praise him and his anointing begins to come to Hekedeboshaya and begins to touch you as you praise him. He knows there's power in worship and there's dimensions of revelation that only come when you stand before the presence of God. Hallelujah. Amen. We've seen a lot of miracles the last few months. We've been seen diseases healed. We've seen cancer healed. We've seen all kinds of stuff happen. We've seen things that have brought doctors to tears and they've wept and say, I don't have an explanation. It must be a miracle. Amen. That's the kind of stuff that happens when you get into the presence of the Lord. And the only way you get there is when worship happens and God's presence. He said, I'll inhabit the praises of my people. When you praise, I promise I'll come down. When you worship, I'll step out of glory and I'll come into your presence. You might be the lowest of the low, but when you begin to worship, I'll look past all that and I'll come down in your very presence and I'll move. It doesn't take great intellect to get into the presence of God. It doesn't take great talent to get into the presence of God. I've told you this story before. Man, when, 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 when evangelists talk, when, when evangelists quit evangelizing and they go back and talk about evangelizing, it's like every revival was 100 people getting the Holy Ghost. They forget all the bad stuff. And, I, and, and when I evangelized, man, I'd travel the country. And I'd always talk about the great revivals that we had. But I, there's some revivals I don't talk about a whole lot. One of them was in a little mountain church in North Carolina. I walked into it. It was a storefront. I walked into that little building. And it was cold, man. It was drafty. And, and the floor was so uneven. A little kid dropped a ball on the back corner. And it rolled all the way up to the opposite front side. I mean, off level. And, and I got in there, and I was a little early, and everybody was just sitting around, and they, they, they acted like they didn't realize I was there. They just chit-chatting among themselves and not oblivious to the fact that, that, that somebody that, that had never been there was there. That's why you need to be careful. You see each other all the time, but you need to be mindful of people that come in that don't know us and have never been here. You need to be friendly. Amen. Go out of your way to get out of your circle. I'm doing all kinds of preaching. I'm meddling this morning. But that's good preaching right there. You want to have revival? You be the friendliest church in town and you'll have revival. Because people don't want to go where nobody acts like they want them there. And so I'm, I'm, standing, in this little old, I'm standing in this little old building. And it's cold and drafty and nobody's talking to me. So I'm like, I'm going to go to the restroom. Just, and, and I look around and I, and I don't see any more doors but the one I came in out of. And so I asked him, and I said, I, I, find, I interrupted somebody's conversation. And I said, excuse me, could you point me towards the men's room? He said, yes, sir. Go out the door and turn to your left. Go down behind the building, and there's an outhouse. And man, it was cold and snowy, but being out in the cold and snowy was better than being in there. God, forgive me. Sometimes I think stuff, and I, I realize they came out after they came out. <laughs> I went out to the outhouse, came back in. We started church, and it was one of those, oh, Lord, it's going to be one of those revivals. I scheduled for Wednesday through Sunday every night and two times on Sunday. And I'm already counting the cost. Oh, Lord. And they, they got this piano over in the corner, but there's nobody that really knows how to play it. A couple of the keys don't come back up. 
They were stuck in more ways than one. They didn't have a drum set. They had a snare drum. And the bass guitar had two strings. And they got to singing. The preacher looked like Elvis. And they get to singing. And they only have two strings. So only have two notes. Boom, 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 boom. Amazing Grace. Boom, 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 boom. Gonna drop kick the devil and kick his teeth out. Bom, bom, bom. Whatever song you play, it's the same thing. And the snare drum. Bom, 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 bom. And they get to singing. And the only thing worse than their musicians are their singers. <laughs> and I'm getting an attitude. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, dear God, I got. After tonight, I got Thursday, and I got Friday, and I got Saturday, and I got Sunday morning, and I got Sunday night. And I'm going to tell you, when I left that revival, I was driving down the road, and in my mind, bump, 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 everything, everything. I, I would drive on the ridges on the side of the road, and it'd be that same thing, bump, bump, bump. It was so, it would, but I'm going to tell you what happened. When those people began to worship, with two strings, one drum, and no harmony. They began to worship God. And God said, I don't need your talent. I don't need your ability. I don't need your intellect. All I need is your worship. And God stepped down out of heaven and moved in that place. And by the time the week was over, seven or eight had been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost because worship is powerful. Somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody that needs a revelation, a fresh revelation of the power of God ought to praise him. Oh, somebody ought to worship him. You ought to give God something right now. If it's, a, if it's two strings and a snare drum, just give it to him. He said, I'll step down out of heaven and I'll inhabit in the praises of people that will worship me. Years ago when I was in my mid-twenties, I was a moderator in a debate between an apostolic preacher and a denominational preacher. And during that debate, the other preacher said that there are no more miracles. He said that God does not do miracles anymore and the supernatural does not still happen. I'd been raised in a Pentecostal church. I'd never heard anybody say something that dumb in all my life. I was stunned to hear that somebody that was supposed to be a Christian and believe in the Bible say that God doesn't work miracles anymore. But now that I look back, I also know the man didn't believe in music. He didn't believe in expressive worship. And so if you don't believe in worship, I don't. it's easy to understand how you could not see a God that's bigger than man and bigger than what man can do because your worship frames your concept of God. Your worship opens up a revelation of who God is and how God can work. And if you need a fresh revelation, of Jesus, the best thing I can tell you to do is begin to worship him. Begin to praise him because praise transports you into a dimension that only comes when you're in his presence. Somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody that's been tempted to think that supernatural things don't happen anymore. You just begin to praise God and the more you get in, your pre in his presence, the more you'll realize the grand master of God that's in this place. He's great and he's greatly to be praised. I said he's great and he's greatly to be praised. From the rising of the sun until the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. I'm telling you, we become what we worship. Satan knew that. It's why he wants people to worship him so badly. He wants to be glorified and praised because he saw in person what happened in heaven when God was worshipped. And so his primary goal is to be worshipped. But if he cannot get you to worship Satan, he'll get you to invest your energy in anything else that he can. 
So he's made it his business to provide things for mankind to distract them and divert their worship, if not to himself, at least away from God towards anything else. Praise God. Because he knows that to worship anything other than God leads that person to darkness because he knows we become like the things that we worship. Amen. And so if you give more to athletics than you do to God, if you give more to hunting and fishing than you do to God, Amen. Maybe somebody's sitting in their deer stand right now while I'm preaching this and you're listening on your air pods. You ought to be in church right now. God forbid. Amen. Praise the Lord. Whenever we turn away in the smallest degree from worship, to God and give it to anything else, we downgrade God from where he should be in our lives. Martin Luther said, whatever your heart clings to and relies upon, that is your God. J.A. Moyer said, the idol is whatever claims the loyalty that belongs to God alone. What people revere, they begin to resemble, either for restoration or for ruin. It's not possible to be neutral. Amen. We either reflect God or we reflect sin. In the Bible, idol worshipers were identified by the idols that they worshipped. The worshipers of idols became as spiritually dead as the idols that they worshipped. And the Bible shows that people that worship idols receive the same judgment as the idol that they worship. So God says if you prefer the idol, you'll get the idol's punishment. The idolater suffers the same fate as the idol does. Amen. So I don't want anything to get between me and my worship of God. I don't want anything to become more important than how I worship God. I don't want anything to take a place in my life of how I worship God. Let me go ahead and step out here just a little bit more. And if I haven't made everybody mad, here's the final hammer blow. Young folks, if you can only worship to new music and you can't worship to any other music, it's idolatry. You're worshiping a music style more than you're worshiping God. But older folks, if you can't worship to the new stuff and can only worship to the old stuff, it's idolatry. And you're worshiping a style more than you're worshiping God. God, I'm gonna worship you no matter what. If it's two bass strings and a snare drum and an attitude worship leader, God, I'm gonna praise you no matter what. I'm just gonna give you my worship because you are the object of my affection. You are the object of my worship. You, God, are the center point of my life. Everything else is secondary to you. Somebody ought to praise him right now. Somebody ought to worship him right now. Somebody ought to glorify the Lord right now. We become what we worship. Can I preach a little while longer? I'm, I'm preaching part two tonight, and so I don't have to finish, but I sure would like to. The book of Isaiah declares the judgment of God upon Israel for their idolatry. They were just going through the motions of worship, but their hearts were invested in the things of this world. God told them, you're keeping all the new moons and the Sabbath days, and you're keeping all the holidays, and you're doing all the religious stuff, but your heart, he said, is far from me. You're doing it out of obligation. You're not doing it because you really love it. So you're going through the motions, but your hearts are invested in other things. And then there were two primary voices in the land. The prophet Isaiah, the man of God, who was speaking the word of God. And Uzziah, the sinful king that sat on the throne. 
Uzziah had defied the word of God and the advice of the priests and prophets and took it upon himself to do things that were unlawful. The people were to choose whose influence they would receive, either Uzziah's or Isaiah's. They would either worship like the worldly man or like the spiritual man. Sadly, all of Israel, except for a small remnant, followed Uzziah the king, and idolatry swept the land. Isaiah 2 and 8 says their land also is full of idols. They worship the work of their own hands, that which their own fingers have made. They made idols out of things in creation that God had made, but they worshiped the creation, not the creator. They worshiped the things they made with their hands as if that had made them. It was idolatry, and God was getting angry. But let me tell you, eventually, what you worship in this world won't make you happy very long. Isaiah 2 and 20, In that day a man shall cast his idols of silver and his idols of gold. Now listen, you took silver and gold to make these idols. You got so excited about these idols that you used silver and gold, the most precious things you have, to make these idols because you loved them so much. You invested so much in these things which they made each one for himself to worship look what the Bible says they cast them to the moles and to the bats what they once spent the most valuable thing in their life on now they're throwing to the moles and the bats because what you give yourself to in this world eventually will not make you happy you'll give your life to a drug, to the contents of a bottle, to somebody in this world. But eventually, it's not going to be enough to satisfy. And what you thought you wanted more than anything, you'll throw it away because it's not going to satisfy anymore. They didn't see how low their idolatry had taken them. What they had traded God for, now they're throwing in the dirt to the moles and the bats Worshiping the wrong things will take you lower than you ever dreamed that you could go. Amen. The lower their worship went, the more they were corrupted. And the Bible said in Isaiah 5 and 20, Woe to them that call good evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light, light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. There are some people that they have thrown away the things of God and they've decided, I don't need that anymore. And we've taken the things of this world. And he said, you're living in a generation that is called evil good and good evil. Can I preach to you a little bit? And can I tell you, beware of what's going on in this world today that's glorifying everything that's unholy and unrighteous and unpure and calling it good and then calling people that stand for the truth and stand for God and stand for holiness. They'll talk about us like we don't know anything. But I'm telling you, it's just an, it's just an example of misdirected worship. This world is corrupted in its mind but what God is looking for is somebody that will reprioritize worship in their life can I tell you right now in this time in this time the coming of the Lord's too close for you to waste time on anything in this world now's time to reprioritize worship it's now time to get stuff out of your life that's a distraction from anything that comes between you and God now it's time what I'm preaching today is you've got to be careful how you worship we preach just a minute or two more maybe five or six minutes more the result of their misplaced worship, Isaiah 5, 14, therefore hell hath enlarged herself and opened her mouth without measure. 
Hell had a building program because so many had fallen into idolatry. For God's people to have revival, they had to shift their worship away from sin and towards God. Can I preach my heart to you for just a minute this morning? Everything I do is an act of worship one way or another. Everything I do is an act of worship. When I decide I'm not going to worship God, then I'm deciding that I'm worshiping the God of this world. When I've decided I've got better things to do than come to the house of God, I've decided that those things deserve my energy and my affection and my attention more than God does. I become like what I worship. And so hell had a building program because people had their worship. Now understand, these people, these people, in Isaiah, in chapter 1, he said, you're doing the new moons, you're doing the Sabbaths, you're doing the feast days, you're doing all the stuff, you're checking all the boxes. You're going through all the motions of worship, but your heart's not in it. And I know the resistance that comes from a message like this. Well, I'm at church. I clapped my hands. I said amen when you said say amen. I came. I'm here. But God said you can do all the right stuff, but it's if you don't have the right spirit and attitude with it. He said, I can away with it. I, I don't even want it anymore. Because we become like what we worship. And so Israel had followed after Uzziah in his idolatry and in his sin. And for them to have revival, there had to be a shift away. And so, Brother David, you quoted the verse, Isaiah 6 and 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting high upon a throne. Sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. There had to be a death for their idolatrous hearts to change. The influence of Uzziah had to be broken. When carnal, sinful, idolatrous Uzziah died, the Lord was seen high and lifted up. When they shifted their attention away from Uzziah, God got their attention again. Can I tell you that there must be a death in this church today? There must be a death in this church today. When we talk about the gospel, we talk about the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death is repentance. If you've allowed anything in your life to distract you or divert you or to replace any area of worship of God, you need Uzziah to die today. God, I repent because I let the desires of this world distract me from giving you my best. God, I repent for letting the things of this life get my attention off of you. God, I repent for letting a drug or alcohol or a person get more important in my life. You don't have to say amen, but I know I'm preaching right now. I'm preaching to some distracted people that need a Uzziah to die in their life. There must be repentance in this place. If Uzziah don't die, you just remember you become like what you worship. Lift your hands all over this place. Oh, I need somebody to help me pray right now. I'm struggling right now to get somebody's attention in this house. But I'm going to tell you what I see as a watchman on the wall. I see some folks that are being distracted. Not everybody, but some are getting distracted from what really matters. And Uzziah's got to die today. (laughs) 
There's got to be repentance. God, I'm sorry I let that get in my way. God, I'm sorry I let bitterness get in my way. God, I'm sorry I let resentment get in my way. God, I'm sorry I let the, the lust of the flesh get in my way. God, I'm sorry that I let laziness get in my way. God, I'm sorry that I let an attitude get in my way. God, I got to kill Uzziah today. He's got to die. He's got to die because if I don't get my worship right, then nothing else will go right because I will become like I worship. God, I repent of my carnal desires. God, I repent, Lord Jesus, for letting myself get lazy spiritually. God, I repent for the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Look, this ain't fun to preach, but I'm preaching it because I feel it in my spirit. I got to get myself reconnected to my purpose. I become like what I worship. Oh, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands all over this place. Lift your hands. There ought to be a prayer meeting going on right now. I don't believe God gave me this message by accident. I believe he gave it to me to help somebody. Hell has a building program going. They're building a room with your family's name on it. You got to shut that building program down today. And the only way to shut it down is Uzziah's got to die. Hell's got a building program with your name on it. year the king Uzziah died I saw the Lord when you repent you'll see God high and lifted up worship will be restored amen reach over and grab the hand of somebody close to you or put your hand on their shoulder and I want us to turn this entire sanctuary into a prayer room right now oh Lord Jesus Come on, all over this place. God, I want to get my worship right. If I don't get my worship right, I can't get anything else right. I realize I'm not preaching to everybody, but I'll preach this sermon for only one person if that's the one that God's reaching for. I can't be distracted. I can't be distracted. Look, this is not the time to get distracted. We're racing to the end. We're racing towards the end right now. There's too much going on in this world for me to get distracted right now. I become like I worship. And his train filled the temple. There's victory in this house. There's victory in the house of God for somebody. But you got to get everything, you got to get your worship fixed. Oh, Jesus, stand with me and lift your hands to heaven. Lift your hands to heaven and, help, and pray, God, help me. I'm only about two-thirds of the way through the sermon, but it's time. The Holy Ghost is moving right now. Help me, God, not to be distracted in the end time. Help me not to be distracted by the world. Help me not to be distracted by Uzziah's influence. I would have thought that when God was listing the Ten Commandments, if it had been me, I think what I'd have done is put like, Thou shalt not kill would have been first. Thou shalt not commit adultery probably would have been right there with it. But God said, Don't forget to come to church. Before he said, don't kill. Right. 
Because he knew that when we prioritize worship properly, everything else falls in place. But when our worship is upside down, then we begin to entertain things that we wouldn't have entertained otherwise. That if I would not put anything else before God and I wouldn't bow down to any graven images, and if I would keep his name holy, and if I would not forget coming to his house, then all that other stuff will be, will be taken care of. But if I don't get my worship right, I can't expect to get anything else right. And we think, well, as long as I don't steal and kill and commit adultery, I don't need to come to church. You have got God's word mixed up. I become what I worship God I ask you Lord Jesus to let the anointing of the Holy Ghost move in this place there is deliverance through repentance today In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. Instead of Uzziah the king on the throne, now the Lord is back on the throne where he belongs. Because I repented, because there was a death. And not only that, but he was high and lifted up. Worship was put in its right place. And his train filled the temple. Notice, repentance, death, the Lord put on his throne and worship and all of a sudden the next thing you know his train fills the temple those victories you preached about that I actually had those exact notes in there but since you preached it I guess I don't have to but victory began to happen when worship was properly placed victory filled the house but it didn't stop there the next verse Verse number two. Sorry, verse number three. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Now notice this phrase. The whole earth is filled. The whole earth is full of his glory. It started in the temple. By the time it was all said and done, it had filled the whole earth. Because if God can't move his church, he can't move the world. As your hands are lifted all over this place, come on, if I preach to you, I'm going to ask you to step out from wherever you are. If you're in the, in the praise team, if you're in the, on the music team, and God's got you under a little conviction from something I preached. I'm not going to be offended if, I, if we don't have anything but, but an altar service this morning. God, i got to get my worship right. God, I've been distracted. God, I've been distracted. God, i got to get my worship right. So that everything else in my life can fall into place. Come on, we, we've got time for you to come. But when you come, don't just don't just come, but repent. God, I'm sorry. I didn't even mean for those things to mean that much to me. I never intended to become so distracted by this or that. I never meant for my job to become more important than my worship. I didn't even realize that I'd done it. God, I didn't mean for my hobbies to become so important to me that, that I started giving away my times of prayer and worship. God, I never planned on myself falling in love with the things of this world to the point that I traded my holiness convictions. I never, I never planned on it, God. Altars are built one stone at a time. 
I never planned. Come on, am I, am I preaching anybody? I never intended, God, for me to get sidetracked by these things. God, you know my heart. You know I love you. You know I want to serve you. You know I want to live for you. You know I want to be saved. And I didn't intend on my heart being drawn away. Uzziah must die. That carnal nature inside has to die. God, I'm sorry. Brother Danny, we don't talk enough about repentance in this modern day. Bishop Wilson, repentance tweets don't get a lot of retweets. We, we can say we baptize 15 people and we'll get 150 likes. We say somebody repented. Nobody says a word. The Bible says, can I, is this all right? Am I all right here? Sister Gail, am I preaching okay for just a minute or two more? One of the most disturbing scriptures in the Bible to me is a verse about Esau where the Bible said he found no place of repentance, though he sought it bitterly with tears. And I was praying about that, and I was, I was, I was talking to God about it. And I thought, God, if he's seeking it with tears, how can he not find a place of repentance? But if you go back and you look at, at, at Esau, when he realized he had lost the birthright and the blessing, here's what he told his father. Do you have another blessing for me? I'm not sorry for what I did. I'm only sorry for what I lost. I'm not sorry because, I'm not sorry because I gave away the birthright. I'm just sorry because of what I lost. I'm not repentance. I'm not sorry for what I did. I'm only sorry for what it cost me. And Esau's prayer of repentance was, give me something else. Now, Father, I have sinned. Why don't you lift your hands? Quiet altar services after preaching repentance makes me nervous. like the adulterer that's not sorry he committed adultery he's only sorry that his wife found out about it it's like the thief that gets busted he's not sorry he stole he's only sorry he's going to jail God Uzziah needs to die God, I'm asking you to touch my spirit and touch my heart. Oh, God, I repent for everything that I put between me and you. God, I repent for everything that I've let be a distraction. That's gotten between me and my worship. Oh, God, come on. There ought to be prayer coming up out of this altar. You don't have to name it. You, we're not asking you to shout your sin out loud, but at least talk to God and say, God, help me to get my worship oriented properly. Help me not to serve anything but you, God, and not to make any other images and not to waste your name and not to forget my day of worship. Search my heart, O oh God, and see if there be any wicked way. Purge me, O oh God. Help me, O oh God, create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, but uphold me with thy free spirit. Somebody ought to be repenting right now. And look, if you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, 
Today's the day. You ought to do it. You ought to do it right now. You ought to, you ought to reach out and say, somebody help me. I got to be baptized today. I need that name in my life. I got to get my spirit right. I got to get my worship right. I got to get stuff to, I got to get focused. Oh God, I got to get focused this morning. I got to get my spirit focused. Come on, reach over, pray for somebody close to you. Let's pray together right now. Lord, help me, Jesus. Lord, help me, God. God, help me, Lord Jesus. I want to get my spirit, I want to get my worship right, Lord. I want to get my worship, I want to get oriented properly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Look, you can be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. His train fills the temple. You can have victory today. You do not have to be bound by sin. You don't have to be bound by discouragement. You don't have to be bound by depression. You don't have to be bound by frustration. You don't have to be bound by drugs, by alcohol, by worldliness, by carnality. You don't have to be bound by fear. You can have freedom because His train fills the temple. Let's pray. Let's pray together. Lord, help me. God loves you too much. You're too valuable to him for him to let you be lost in these last days. This is revival time. It's breakthrough time. It's time for him to be high and lifted up and his train to fill the temple and for the earth to be filled with his glory. This is the greatest time for the church, but we got to get our worship right to be part of it. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God, because redemption is a prayer away. Thank you, God, because forgiveness is a prayer away. Thank you, God, for sending an Isaiah this morning to preach the word. So I can get my, my worship right. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. David, thank you for being sensitive to the Lord. So we know that God's trying to give us the right direction here. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. It's a promise, Brother David, that victory's here for somebody. It's a promise that victory's here for somebody's family. You can expect better days ahead. You can expect revival for your family. You can expect joy and peace and deliverance because when we get our worship right, His train fills the temple and the whole earth is full of His glory. I'm expecting revival for me and my family. I'm expecting revival for my children and grandchildren. I'm expecting restoration and renewal. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. This certifies that Brenda Stewart was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? God, I prophesy revival over her family. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Go ahead, sister. The Holy Ghost is on you right now. Yes, his train fills the temple.
Amen. Worship Him. Hallelujah. He's not done yet. The anointing had fallen earlier when I was speaking on this verse, but I wasn't through quite yet with it. Isaiah said he was high and lifted up. Jesus once said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Isaiah was seeing him on the cross. I'm telling you, there was death, burial, and resurrection in that verse alone. Talking about the oneness of God and who he was. Amen. And the Bible says in Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized. Every one of you. That sounds like all. Does that not sound like all? Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise. He just talked about the promise. Is unto you, to your children, and to all that are far off even as many as the Lord our God shall call he's calling you today many are called but few are chosen it's up to you he's calling you today there's water back there there's ministers to baptize you amen why 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 do you wait Amen. Get up. Right now. Today is the day. Right now is the accepted time. Amen. You should be baptized in the name of Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost. You want victory? The victory that that Isaiah was talking about is found in the Holy Ghost. You got that blood applied. You get the Holy Ghost. You've got victory. Amen. The victory has already been won already been won. Amen. We are having meet and greet immediately after service right now. If you are new, if you're a guest, we want you to come back there, meet and greet our pastor and the staff of the church right through the the hallway down there, through the prayer room and the room on the right. Come be a part of us. Remember tonight, 6 o'clock prayer, 6.30 church. Come ready to worship the Lord and hear part two of this message in the name of Jesus. Bring your offering and tithes unto the Lord. You're dismissed in the name of Jesus. Amen.